This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, everybody. I, I am Mark Tepperson. I'm the Chief Digital Officer of uh, the Accent Group. Uh, we are Australia's uh, largest uh, footwear retailer and wholesaler. We have 470 stores across Australia and New Zealand and 17 uh, front-end sites. And the thing that I love about most about online retail is that it solves all of my friction points with physical retail. So um, the, the, um, all of the frustrations that I have about going into store and things not being available, I find that things are instantly available and that gratification of... Uh, feeling like I'm not wasting time and I'm more efficient uh, are some of the things that I really love about online retail. The 2020 global consumer is likely to change, and that change is also likely unpredictable. And in a tumultuous environment of constant change, it's imperative to gain clarity on the emerging forces. And while there are obvious trends arising, there are also unpredictable behavioral shifts expected that will have meaningful impact on the online and offline retail marketplace. Coming up, you'll hear from the chief digital officer for a regional leader in the retail and distribution of performance and lifestyle footwear with over, get this, 420 stores across 10 different retail banners and exclusive distribution rights for 10 international brands across Australia and New Zealand we're talking brands you've heard of, like the Athlete's Foot, Skechers, Doc Martens, Timberland, Sperry Topsider, and more. And we're on location in front of a live audience, an online retailer in Sydney, Australia, about to explore the next wave of digital evolution and how to prepare. You're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry. Recorded on location. Mark, thanks for being here. Thanks, Mark. It's great, great being here, too. So happy to have you. All right, we're here at the 11th edition of the Online Retailer Conference and Expo, which is Australia's biggest industry event. It's packed with the latest insights, trends, tech innovation, retail solutions. Now you, at Accent Group, you've got so many different brands under your watch. What are you seeing in coming, that's coming across the portfolio that gives you insights into what's coming next? And, and is it all about digital? Look, it's a really great question. Um, I think one of the beautiful things that we've got in our portfolio and our stable of brands is that um, the, the brands that we have crosses the continuum of customer. So everything from you know, fast-moving early adopters in the fashion space right the way through to more traditional uh, baby boomers and the consumption patterns really change. We try and tap into as much as we can to really learn from our consumers around what they're looking for and having that diversity in the landscape means that we don't need to do everything at the same pace. We can learn and trial things in different brands and bring them to life at different stages. Thank you. So you have so many brands. It's 10 brands right now. Are you trying to grow beyond 10 brands at this point? Is it a constant growth? 
Yeah, look, I mean, we are we are growing constantly. In fact, um, even since uh, you made that announcement, I think we're we're at about 470 stores now across Australia and New corrected. Zealand. Um, we're we're always looking to grow the stable um, of of how we can bring quality brands to consumers and what we can bring to the market. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're we're a growth hungry business. We we love to innovate. We love to make things happen. Now it's one thing to manage one brand and and you know have an online presence, do all of the type of e-commerce, have all the the, the technology and the thought process and the social marketing and all of those pieces. What kinds of things are you thinking about when you're actually dealing with a number of brands and the different ethos, the different DNA, the different messaging, the, the, even the different kind of brand they are? Because just because you're a footwear brand doesn't mean that you're about footwear. You might be about athletics or you might be about um, you know, seniors or you may be about medical issues. Or so how do you handle the fact that there's many different messaging? And this could be useful for any, any retailer who's either dealing with multiple brands or multiple, you know, maybe, maybe hundreds of thousands of SKUs or, the, or you know, yeah. many different types of DNAs, if you will, <laughs> with, within their own brand. So I think it's, um, it, look, it's a great question and it's something that we're constantly learning and, um, and, and working through. So um, if you think about the complexity with 12 different retail brands, front ends, and 17 different front-end websites across two regions. Um, so the adoption curve of, of how we actually prioritize what we're going to work on, um, what's important, is all grounded. We start off with what is the consumer insight that we have that leads us to believe that this is what we should be working on. Um, so that could be, I mean, we typically try and define it in two ways. So what's the unmet need of the customer? Um, or what is the problem that we're trying to solve? And then through that insight, um, really try and prioritize what each of the brands needs. I think one of the biggest challenges about having so many brands in a stable is how do you show um, the brands uh, the, the amount of love that they need in order to develop them? Um, it's a constant battle and struggle. Um, there's been some great discussion earlier today around um, uh, managing some of those things. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, I think that we still bring a real commercial context to it. So start with the consumer, um, defining out what the problem is, what are we trying to solve, and then really looking at where is the lowest hanging fruit, what can we do, um, and what's scalable across our organization that we think is going to provide us with real value. Now, you're in a unique or, or rare uh, in Australia opportunity to collect a lot of data, more data than the average brand can because you're dealing with so many brands. Uh, from what you learn from dealing with so many brands and so many SKUs and so many types of customers, how are you looking at data and the way that you as a company can not only, uh, you know, interpret that data, but also make use of it to help grow your, the brands you represent? I guess my question is, what are these brands doing right and what are you seeing that isn't working that you're able to learn from one brand and apply to another brand? So I think the, um, the general context around, um, uh, around how we do that around data is, is that um, there, is, there is huge amounts of data obviously available to us in the organization. It is overwhelming. And, and I think you know, bringing the discipline to it is how do you turn data and give it con- – if you give data context, you can create insight. Um, you know, data by itself, um, you know, uh, 
this idea of analysis paralysis has been thrown yes. around for decades, right? There's so much data. How do you know which, which data well, to look at? Especially if you have leadership that comes from the old guard. And, and they're, they're like, fine, we'll collect some data. But I don't really, I, I can't be bothered with it right now. They don't, um, you know, they're... Yeah, absolutely. They're not using it to get out of the paralysis. Absolutely. And I think so to help organizations and to help senior leaders and, and even teams specifically, um, the data is not enough. You've actually got to give the data context in order to provide relevance. So if that's against the benchmark against last year or if it's a benchmark against another brand or even industry-related um, industry benchmarks, it starts to provide you know, greater insight for the organization. But I suppose the key, the, the, the key answer to your question, you know, how do you make data really valuable and how do you know when it's valuable is that when you can turn the data into insight and the insight into action, um, you, you really, I suppose, have reached the point where um, you, have, you have made that data really valuable. What would you say uh, being at a, an opportunity, and that's what I'll call it, to be a something like online retailer what does that mean to you, both in terms of what you see the future opportunities are for you? So you look at the different innovation that's at a place like this. You look at the opportunity to observe what other companies are doing and to also have some thought leadership and, and drive, uh, hopefully, growth in, in other brands that j just out of the fellowship of, of being at a place like this. What does it mean to you to be at a place like this? And what are you hoping to accomplish here Sure. I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm privileged that um, whilst this is the 11th online retailer, um, I, I have been at uh, every single one. So oh. 11 years ago, started coming um, and, uh, and I've seen the, the maturation of the industry and the space in Australia. I mean, it felt like 11 years ago, it was, um, it was fear and necessity and everyone was running around with their hair on fire. And it's, <laughs> uh, it's wonderful to see how far the industry has kind of come. I think when the importance of a of a conference like this is is really about um, is about learning. So if that's the leaders breakfast series this morning, or some of the keynote sessions that are going on, or even just familiarising yourself with the landscape and how it's changed, there's so many new platforms and SaaS products coming onto the market constantly. Um, how do you stay across all of that? Yeah. Um, and most importantly, connecting with peers. And I think it's that networking opportunity that is actually the hidden value that sits behind these types of events. Um, you know, hearing from people either in the same space as you, um, dealing with similar challenges, um, allows you to create networks and, and opportunities where you can collaborate and even work on things together. Now, let's go back to what it is that you guys are doing. So you're in footwear. Uh, or at least that's the, the vertical that you're working within. Uh, what you're really in is retail. You're, you're in sales. Uh, my question is, how do you think what footwear needs to do in order to succeed relates or is different than the other types of brands that you're seeing at a place like this? Are you guys just all doing the same thing? You're just selling a different widget? Or is there a unique way you need to sell footwear that means for an online presence you have to do something different, and what is that? Yeah, that, that, I mean that's a that's a really great. I want question. the secret sauce. <clears throat> the secret sauce. I, you know, I wish I wish we had the recipe. Um, yeah. I think we're all we're, we're all thinking about the same thing. I think it, if you ask the question, or maybe I answer the question in different time horizons, right? I think for the now, it's about how do we ensure that we remain engaging and, and interesting for consumers? How do we continue to build the trust? Um, and innovate to keep them engaged. If you think about the business model itself, though, 
and you're now talking in five years' time, well, you're now talking about different trends coming through the market. So sustainability is a trend that's coming through the footwear industry. Um, a brand like Adidas, you know, making a big announcement about by 2024, they want all of their products to be sustainable. Sorry, all the plastic that they use in their products that they're making to be sustainable has put a stake in the ground. And that's starting to, you know, hone in and, sh you know, um, sharpen the senses of other retailers in industry around what we need to do. If you project forward past that point, five or 10 years down the path, and you start to think about 3D printing, in fact, the shoes that I'm wearing today are 3D printed shoes um, from Adidas. Um, what does that mean for the store model? You know, do you still have physical inventory sitting mm -hmm. in the back of your stores, or are you really about an experience center and it's about instant production of footwear? You think about SaaS models. Um, there's so much change in that landscape. Now, now, here's the thing, though. You know, I think about footwear, and that's an example to me how one, one shoe is very different than another shoe in the way that it fits. Uh, it's never quite the same. Like, my wife just bought me shoes. They seem like they should fit. They're from the same brand as I already wear, and they're the right size, and they're too snug for me. If I bought them online, I always run the risk of, ha of having to return them or exchange them, or I don't like them, just take them back, I'll find something else. And there's that, that friction. How do you adopt a more and more prevalent online presence, Mark, in footwear without increasing your returns and adding to the cost of doing business? The returns um, challenge has been one that online retailers have faced for forever. And in footwear, it's actually, as an industry, it's higher than apparel because there is um, much more precise measurement in the, in the footwear that you need to wear and the sizing that you get right. Addressing those challenges, you think about how you augment that. So in, in the store environment, um, going back 100 years ago, the Brannock was developed, which was this that measuring tool that you go in, you put your foot on, and they tell yeah. you what size you are. Sure. Um, today, that that kind of thinking and technology is now uh, making its way into into the digital footwear space. So, be that through tools that you can have digitally measuring your feet in store, and then taking your profile online, or actually giving you equivalent measures and changes in the attempt to. Uh, reduce those barriers of purchase. Because I think in buying footwear, one of the hardest things to get over is how do I know it's going to fit? Are you, are you guys thinking about uh, technology people can have at home that can scan their feet and then you've got that in a database? Or are you thinking about uh, kiosks or physical locations that are designed simply to come in, get your feet properly measured, and then you guys know that that measurement is this size and this brand and this size and this brand and, and that's how people can feel comfortable. So talk about what you're thinking about ahead or what the things you're working on. Yes, yeah, so in actually in one of our businesses, The Athlete's Foot, um, in the year 2000, we launched the very first in-store uh, pressure and gait analysis tool. In 2000? In 2000, so almost 20 wow. years ago. Um, and right, in fact, this year, in its third iteration of big rollout to that technology, we are now launched 3D foot scanning. So that's the physical manifestation of that in terms of how it can, um, how we can improve that consumer mm -hmm. experience, codify the experience and hopefully leverage it into the digital world. But we also see a place for, for apps. 
um, we see a place that how do you do that virtually? How can we empower someone yeah. in the comfort of their own home be able to create that experience? Now, something we don't hear about a lot is, you know, footwear isn't just for 18 years or older. It's for kids, too. And kids are constantly growing. Their feet are changing. It's tough to bring your kid in every year to have them scanned or to assure that they're going to rescan it at home and go through that process instead of just, you know, on the way back from school, we'll stop at the shoe store. So my question is, are, are you looking at any um, machine learning or artificial intelligence that's taking a child's uh, measurement, let's say, and interpolating the likely growth of where they are at a certain age and what likely size they're going to fit? Um, or am I getting ahead of the curve there? I'd say that um, it's it's on the pathway in terms of what we think we where we think we need to get to. But the platform and the foundation that we need to set in order to be able to get there, in terms of actually having the measures, um, having a sample of consumers that we follow through a lifetime, and then being able to throw that into a artificial intelligence engine to be able to give us more insight. We definitely see that as being a future opportunity. And in fact, further to that, it's not just about what customer experience that can generate, but how can that actually help in other parts of our business? So that may be in terms of planning, um, in terms of the inventory curves, or being able to more accurately predict um, where we have stock outs and how we can move inventory through our network based on the sizes and feet that we see in different regions across the country. There's so many benefits that we believe we can unlock, but the foundation that you need to set to get that right um, is still you know, very much where we are at the moment in terms of um, pursuing that journey. All right, coming up, we're going to hear more from Mark Tepperson, the Chief Digital Officer at Accent Group. And we're going to touch on what the next wave of digital evolution may be and where that customer probably is going to be, and not just necessarily in footwear, but in online retail in general. Uh, right back after this, on location at Online Retailer in Sydney, Australia. Entrepreneurista, a woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. Through the conversations on the Entrepreneurista podcast, we want to celebrate failures, reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entrepreneurista podcast presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurstopodcast.com. Before we uh, get into the question of what's next for the, for the consumer and the next way of how they're going to be served by digital evolution, uh, you've been a shoe guy for a while. Uh, working with Accent Group is not your first time in the footwear arena. Uh, what, what has led you to stick with footwear as your gig? 
meaning, uh, what is special about selling this? It's not just, well, I'm in footwear. My next job will be in footwear. But you said, there's, some, there's, there's a future here. I, I need to stick with this. Why is that? Um, I, I almost landed up in the footwear industry by mistake. Um, I really wanted to pursue you know, the corporate finance route. I was really interested in mergers and acquisitions. So and close. Did a brief stint there. Um, and my first retail job was actually at the athlete's foot. Um, the guy that recruited me at the time said to me, um, and he asked me the question three times, you know, are you sure you want a career in footwear? And my answer was the same each time. I said, um, actually, I'm, I'm really not interested in a career. I just wanted a university job. Um, but almost magically, like you click your heels three times, um, I've never left. Um, there's, this, there's this idea that I suppose I think about in, in terms of, um, of footwear and, and why I think it's so interesting, um, in, particularly in the fashion space, is that um, shoes don't make you feel fat or thin, they just make you feel good. Interesting. Um, Although they can make you feel taller. They can make you feel taller, and if you wear an uncomfortable pair of shoes, um, that's a really bad experience, yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. But um, I think there's something really nice about that in terms of um, if you're looking for things that can sure. really pick you up, um, it, it's something to play well, with. When you get it right, you get it really right with footwear. That's right. Okay, so let's talk about the consumer. Again, we're here at Online Retailer, and a lot of what's here is innovation uh, and brands that are showing how they are on the cutting edge. What are you seeing at Accent Group and all the brands that you work with that is pointing to this is what tomorrow's, next year's consumer is thinking about, and we're trying to get ahead of that by the technology we're deploying, by the way that we're thinking ahead of the curve by the insights on the data that we're looking at that we're trying to glean. What are you guys seeing that anyone that's sitting, that's hearing this or sitting in this live audience, if they, if they knew that, they may be able to run to their office and make their company just a little bit more ahead. Um, Spill it. Whew. That's uh, You're that's, on the hot seat. That, 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 now I feel like it's burning. Um, I might start off with just the consumer piece, right? So okay. I think from the consumer perspective, if we see, look at trends, you've got the dominance of Gen Y, yeah. and you think about how that is different and, and, and why that's different. Well, they took over from baby boomers as now being the largest purchasing cohort in market, right? Discretionary retail spend. Okay, and that thinking's different. That thinking's different, right? Even, even more different than that is the rise of Gen Z that's coming up behind them. And if you think about Gen Z as a generation, they were born with a mobile phone in their hands, right? So their default behavior is actually go mobile first. Sure. And with that, it's not about search in terms of, you know, text-based search. It's actually voice-led search. Um, I often, you know, when I talk, I talk about the experience of my children who are young. Um, and they can use voice search. They could use it before they could read or write. Right. They could use speech, right? And if you think about what that does in terms of training the next generation of consumer and how they're going to want to interact, sure. I think... They ask for it. They want to get it. They ask, they ask for it and they sure. expect to be able to access it. And I think, you know, how do you make your brand... How do you link into those kind of behaviors? Those are the questions that we kind of ask ourselves. Um, I still think that that's still quite some time away. I mean, we look to the U.S. in terms of voice trends. You look at, sure. um, you know, Google, um, the voice units, Google Assist, and you look at what Amazon's done in market um, and the penetration of that. It's got wide appeal, but brands are still figuring out how to interact with it and to curate, curate those experiences. Mm -hmm. um, I think in terms of the, the real big takeaway is, is that 
Um, what's consistent about consumers is that they want their experience to be frictionless. They want their experience to be great every time, and they don't care about the technical debt or the challenges you've got with your systems. No, they just want it when they, they want it. They just want it when they want it and how they want it. They want it, they want it. Yeah. Um, and I think as a, as a mindset for organizations, we often make excuses for why we can't do things as opposed to saying, well, what can we do with what we've got? And so I think the biggest learning at Accent and, and the thing that I probably talk most about and, and get asked this question on is um, how do you rethink your assets? So you think about the assets you've got in a business, you've got stores, you've got inventory, you've got people and teams. How can you, how can you um, augment those in different ways to create the experience for consumers that they're really looking for? And so a good example for Accent is, is how we turned our stores into distribution centers. So we've got 470 of them across the country. And we can get product into the hands of consumers generally in next business or two business days. Um, but that enabled us to be able to do same-day delivery. And now we're about to launch three-hour delivery. And we can provide that service right across the country. You know, it's interesting. You talk about 470 stores. You talk about uh, 10 or 12 brands. Uh, how do you... And, you know, I think this applies to anyone who has multiple locations. They have uh, maybe different geographical areas or they themselves are managing multiple brands. How do you, as a company, have your ear to the ground on technology and innovation and how you're trying to provide value to these organizations and helping them sell more? That's the point of the relationship, obviously. Yeah. How do you keep that connection and that relationship, Mark, even though every one of these companies has its own DNA, its own ethos, its own uh, market, its own type of consumer, okay? One is a millennial consumer, another is a senior consumer, a medical need. How are you coordinating messaging and thought leadership and giving them the tools that they need or at least telling them the tools they can use and helping lead them to those solutions so they're ready for tomorrow's consumer. Knowing that every one of these conversations is with a different kind of brand with a different kind of consumer. How are you thinking about that? You could be a single brand with many retail locations and you know, each geographical area has its own type of personality and, and its own regional thinking and its own type of customer. And each manager has their own experience and thinking. You've got to find a way to link them all and so they're on the same page as you, so you provide that value. Um, look, it's a, a great question, and um, you know, in un unpacking that, I might talk to how we've constructed it in the organization first, and then okay. how do we how do we seed that through the business, right? So, um, the success of most retail businesses for decades has actually been on how do you open more stores? If you open more stores. Um, and, you, and you execute retail really well, you, you've got a good, thriving, growing business. Okay. Um, now, those dynamics are still important today. You still want to be able to achieve growth through, through footprint, but you also want to be really conscious of how to get to your customer the most efficient way. Um, and so a few years back, we actually established um, a, a digital hub down in Melbourne, a, a center of excellence, and we, we actually we purposefully separated it from... Um, the main building and, and the business so that we could create some energy, um, some expertise and concentrate all of our, um, our, our digital talent in, in a single business so that we could share and learn and hopefully um, accelerate our, our results. 
Um, that's enabled us and allowed us to um, leapfrog where we once were because I'd say three or four years ago as, as digital... Uh, as a digital business, as an omni-channel retailer, we were well behind the market. I think we've done a really good job of kind of catching up, playing par, and, and maybe even in some regards leading in a couple of spaces. Um, the challenge once you've got the thinking right, and we work with lots of international brands, some of the intelligence does come to us, but in, in a lot of areas, um, the omni-channel experience for these brands, they're also still working out in their own evolution. And so one of the benefits being in Australia and so far away from the rest of the world is we become a little bit of a test bed for those brands yeah. and they allow us, they give us more rope and they allow us to innovate and do things that maybe they're not quite ready for in their own markets. So once you develop that strategy, the hardest thing is um, how do you actually seed that through um, 12 different retail businesses, close to 7,000 um, team members across our organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the key there and, and really where success is, is that there's, there's two variables that, have, um, that are key to getting that right. The first one is about the culture. So the culture of the organization in terms of, um, you know, our mantra at Accent Group is make it happen. Um, so there is this drive and this enthusiasm that once you get behind something, it really does kind of, um, that there's like this infectious uh, energy that kind of travels through the organization. And, and the second key aspect to that is alignment. So um, when you break new ground and you start you know, using your stores as distribution centers, you start breaking things that have been refined in a certain way for a, for a very long time. Um, and the only way that you can overcome those things when you actually disrupt from within is to make sure that you've got alignment with your people and your teams. Um, we don't always get it right. We like to think we get it right more than we get it wrong. Yeah. Um, but, you know, through great culture and really aligning um, the purpose through the organization, you know, you can make these things successful. So um, how do you take a strategy to market? How do you make sure that that's successful? How do you do it quickly? Um, those those have been the key ingredients to our success. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to close this uh, with three things. First, I'm going to give you two questions, and I'm going to ask you to give me one-word answers to them. There's no right or wrong answer. I want to know what you think. And then I'd like to find out a little bit more about Mark as a human. All right? So the two questions, the one-word answers are... If you look ahead at what tomorrow's consumer is, you can look one year, five years, whatever it is. If you had to sum all up how you guys are looking at tomorrow's consumer in one word, what would that word be? Considered. Thank you. And do you want to explain that? Yeah, I think, I think consumers today are becoming more and more considered about um, where they purchase, what they purchase, and why they purchase. So um, you think about the conscious consumer and sustainability um, you think about the footprint that they're leaving. You think about um, the causes or the social impact of those brands. I think that that is um, a rising trend. I think consumers want brands to treat them in a more considered way. You know, gotcha. the other way that we describe that in the industry is personalization and segmentation and yeah. um, all of those things. But I think at the end of it, if you think about what is it that we're trying to achieve for the consumer, it's how can we be more considered when we engage with them. Very good. Thank you. Okay, second one-word answer question. You're here at Online Retailer. It's the 11th time they've done it. Um, as you're here, if you were to discover while you're here one piece of innovation or technology that would solve a problem for you, what problem would they be solving in one word? 
Like you ran across and you go, oh my God, these guys are doing this. Thank God we can do this now. What would you, what would you be looking for? What would that word be? Again, hot seat. Wow. That's, that's a really hard one. Um, I, if you say it, it might, it might come true. Technical debt. It's two words, but I'll it's take two it. Words. It's two okay. words. Maybe we've got a hyphen and we can connect Technical them together. Debt. Unpack that, please. I think... Um, See what's great about this. I asked you for one word, yeah. and then you can unpack it so you can use a whole bunch I, of words. I think as retailers, you know, we all struggle with the same thing, right? You know, we make decisions at a, at a given point in time, and then we live with them. Um, and then the, the, the landscape is changing so quickly and so rapidly that the biggest friction point that we actually deal with through that is the technical debt that we accumulate yeah. through our decisions. Um, so every time you, you find a great new SaaS product and you want to bring it into the business and you think about how to integrate it, you're creating more debt. Um, the biggest problem for us to solve as we continue to innovate our businesses is how do we do it um, more seamlessly with less friction and accumulating less debt. Um, and if anybody can solve that problem, um, I'm an investor. There you go. So uh, if any of you were listening, you know, there you go. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, my final question uh, before I hand the mic over to you for a final thought, Mark, is um, on a more personal nature, getting to know you as a human being. Now, something that's easily discoverable about you, but people may not know, is a big part of your life is you're involved in a not-for-profit that has to do with Jewish care, or it's called Jewish care, and it uh, is a major provider of services for the vulnerable and needy people, primarily in the Jewish community. And my question is, uh, which is, by the way, a great mission, and I, I'm, I salute you for your leadership in trying to make that a bigger and bigger thing. My question is, as you think back even to childhood, when was the first moment that you can recall being inspired wanting to be helping others or, or watching someone else even helping others and getting an inspiration from that? I think about my life, uh, and I've, I've been really fortunate and privileged. Um, that wasn't necessarily where our family started off, but, um, you know, we, we certainly came from humble beginnings, and I remember quite fondly, you know, getting in the car and going to motels and holidays, and I remember quite um, notably when that changed in my life. Um, I think there's... Um, there is a value in our, in our family around um, giving back to community and, and, and what that really means. How, how, do you, um, how, how, how do you become a good citizen of humanity um, and how do you give back? Um, and uh, the humility, I suppose, around just um, being fortunate and, and mindful of what you have and, and how you can um, assist or give back. Um, I think in life there's three things that you've got that you can give, right? Um, there's time that you can give of your time. There's talent. Um, and there's treasure. So you can, you know, the easiest thing to do is um, write a check and donate to something. And that's, that's very valuable. And there's lots of communities and charities out yeah. there that depend on that. Um, but time and talent are two things that are not necessarily readily accessed by the not-for-profit space. Yeah. And so um, if there's something that you have that, that, is, um, that is valued or that you, that you feel like you can really give back, um, it was just a great opportunity for me to do that. And, uh, and it's something that um, I'm proud to be part of and what we do for the community. Help people feel a little taller, just like shoes. Make people feel a little taller. Uh, see what I did there? I like, I like that. I like that. 
as you reflect on our conversation and also think about your time here at Online Retailer, any final thought or pearls of wisdom that you might like to share before we go? Uh, it's, it's one that I, I again, I, I think about all the time. And, and when, I talk, when I get the chance to talk to people, um, it's such a wonderful opportunity. This space is just so amazing. Um, there's so much innovation, so much change. And if you're lucky enough in organizations, this is a space that most organizations are investing in. What your organizations and what your consumers need from you is, um, is more imagination and more courage. So dream up the big ideas, right? Um, be here, you know, get inspired by what you see at the conference. I mean, that's the whole purpose for kind of coming together. Network, learn things, reimagine yeah. how you can do it, but then have the courage to go out yeah. and actually do it. Uh, so imagination and courage would be my final thought. I like that. That might be the title of this episode. Okay. Uh, and if people want to reach out and connect with you, uh, can they do that? And Absolutely. Um, probably the best way to do it is um, drop me a line through LinkedIn. Um, you'll, find me, uh, you'll find me there. Uh, love to network with people. And, um, you know, whether you're in the same space or a different industry, um, welcome it all the time. Thank you, Mark. All right. Well, uh, appreciate your time. It was very nice to meet you. And uh, I wish you all the best as uh, Accent Group continues to grow to, I don't know, 20 brands, 30 brands. Who knows, right? Great. Thanks, Mark. All right. Thank you. All right. Mark Tupperson, Chief Digital Officer of Accent Group uh, here at Online Retailer in Sydney, Australia. Thanks so much, Mark. And thank you all very much for listening. I'm Mark Rako, and have a great day, everybody. This has been Fashion Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2019. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at fashionisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.